I, I, I think there's kind of a man thing where it's like, is this the man you want to be? Like, does this get you going? Right? Like, is this a thing? Because what I see, yeah, what, what I see is devastation and destruction, not meaning. Right? Like, that's what she's saying, at least. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is a review of wildlife. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week of the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're talking about another film that is in limited release, um, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. That is the film Wildlife. Um, as we've said at the top of every single episode until now... We're going to be doing a lot of traveling, so we're trying to front load a bunch of content that will come out in random orders. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying but like Jake Gyllenhaal, we, we promise we'll be back at some point. We just have a few things to <laughs> yeah. figure out. We'll be back after the first snowballs. <laughs> yeah, in California. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we are doing this. We have been forgoing opening questions, kind of little our opening banner, and just been diving into the episodes. But I think there is something I would like to talk or a question I would like to pose to this group in this room, you Mm -hmm. and I. Um, The descriptions for this film refer to Jake Gyllenhaal's character as a golf pro. Mm, Really? (laughs) They do. And I thought it was just a weird thing that I read in one place, but I kind of jumped around to different places and they all refer to him as a golf pro. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal seems like either a caddy or like a grounds guy at the golf course, he he's basically just like a guy who the boss is going to fire simply because he talks to the guests too much, which doesn't sound like a golf pro to me. It sounds a little bit like calling the guy who drives the Zamboni a hockey pro. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sounds a lot like that. The one thing is I know he talked to the guy about he made a wager with him, so I don't know if the wager involved him playing him in golf. But yeah, I don't feel like in the movie he seems like a golf pro at yeah, all. So I don't know where and, that's coming from. And even from. if he's a pro level golfer, that's different than being a golf pro. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think you could lose your job as a golf pro. You just cease to be good enough to make money. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're always like, if you play in a tournament, you're a golf pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Maybe the, so I know this is based on a novel. Maybe in the novel, he is clearly a golf pro. And that's where everyone just, just trying to be a little more clever by being like, oh, I read the book. <laughs> All right. Cool. Spoilers. I didn't read the book. I did not read the book either. And I'm not a golf pro. I'm definitely not a golf pro. I would love to drive a Zamboni, though. If there's a good way to do the Big Lebowski, obviously you're not a golfer gag right now and have it work as a podcast, I would do that. But instead, I'll just talk about not doing the gag. You know, that it's, just because you talk into a microphone doesn't make you a podcast host, Chris. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make me a podcast professional. Right, that's It true. definitely makes me a podcast host. Yeah. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> Um, so anyways, I think we're ready to get into this review. Yep. Um, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Wildlife, and then we're going to come back and give you that review. You know what they call trees in a forest fire? Fuel. You know what they call the trees left up when the fire goes by? They call them the standing dead. Mom's dad. Is dad okay? Of course he is. His pride got hurt. 
That happens sometimes. You won't have to worry about anything, Joe. There comes a time when a man needs something more to hang his hat on. Got this homicide in my head. I need to do something about it. You understand? Your father has a woman out here. He wouldn't do that. No? Why do you think men do things? They either go crazy or it's a woman. I don't think that's true. People are drawn to things they shouldn't be. I used to dress like this all the time when I was younger. Yeah, it's probably nice to know your parents were once not your parents. Did your mother do something that you wouldn't like to have to tell me about? I feel like I need to wake up. So Wildlife is the story of a family who moves to a place in Montana, and uh, that husband, as we mentioned at the top of the show, loses his job as a pro golfer, doing air quotes right now, and uh, uh, that job sort of sets him back as a man, as a provider for the family, and he is kind of lost and spinning his wheels trying to figure out what he can do to help provide for his family. Um, somewhere during that decision-making process, he decides that where he is needed most is to go off and fight these wildfires that are raging in the region. Um, timely, considering like most of California yeah. is burning right now. Where we M- much like the last wildfire movie I watched, which was in the heat of last year's uh, California wildfires. <laughs> uh, only the Brave came out. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, this happened to come out where I watched it. Particularly because I didn't want to be outside and my apartment, the insulation isn't so great. And so Joanne and I decided, like, let's be in a movie theater as much as possible this weekend. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was watching this movie with an air mask in my pocket that I would put on right after the movie to walk outside. Yeah. So he, he goes off to fight this fire and it's sort of uh, he sort of abandons his family at home with the intention of going off to try to do this work and then eventually come home. And this is the story of sort of how that f- that affects the family through the eyes of the child in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? Yeah, I, I have a couple feelings. One, I really enjoyed this movie. And two, I think this is going to be a very short episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what I mean is I, I like this movie a lot. I like this sort of movie, the kind of slow burn, no pun intended, film that is like, it's a very intimate family drama. It is just trying to examine characters. And that way, it's very much like, again, an actor turned director, Paul Dano. Like, it's no surprise to me that he was drawn to a film like this, where it's like, there are three or four, depending on how you count, main characters. This movie is going to be all about their emotions and their interactions with each other. And that's mostly it. Um, the only things that 
make like elevate this from your typical like this is just four characters talking bits is there are some like genuinely beautiful moments too there's some, a scene of a wildfire that i think is really really nicely done there are large landscape shots that i think are beautiful and there's some camera motions that are interesting it's like the camera's sort of like a character that's commenting on what's going on and it's following the action in a way that isn't like always obvious like there, there's some interesting things that paul dano is doing but for the most part i just thought it was a very this was like the carol for me of this year where it was like a very <laughs> slow atmospheric movie that is about a relationship it's not as lush as carol it's a different sort of movie um in that respect but it's it's slow and you're either on board or you're not right because it it's trying to tell you like this is what it feels like to be a child or to be a teenager and to witness the dissolution of your family, right? So it's like telling a very kind of traditional story of a couple who are facing issues, right? Who are feeling tension, uh, a man feeling repressed and wanting ambition and a wife who is frustrated by that. We've seen more than a couple movies recently that have had that as like a running theme. Uh, But watching it through the eyes of a kid who is basically just seeing things peripherally in glances, right? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. I think it could definitely be compared to First Man a little bit in like the period that it's brought up and like the the idea of <laughs> and like that the wife yells, "You're just a bunch of boys." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like like the 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 feeling of being the the wife to the person who is going out and risking things because he feels like he has to for some reason, right? Um, I, you haven't seen Burning yet, but this is also going to be kind of relevant to Burning too, and it being like a, a totally gentle slow burn movie that is like about this like aching frustration that people feel um and that that's pretty much it uh, i i really liked it i really enjoyed my time watching it i thought it was a great counter to the movies that i was seeing the rest of the weekend because th- this is unlike the other ones like this is very much the kind of slow subtle we're going to tell an intimate story and we're going to be very delicate about it movie and there's a good time and place for that and i was a big fan uh, yeah, so I have some positive and some negative things uh, to say about this film. Um, I, I m- mostly I'm laughing when you were talking about comparing it to Carol, just because Carol is a film that like I liked less than you. What I loved about the film is the way I could see from the presentation of the film why these two characters wanted and needed the other character and like seeing what it is that infatuated them about the innocence of the one or the maturity of the other and kind of where they were in life and how they wanted to have what the other person represented. Um, But then the overall arc of where the story was going and the peripheral parts of it didn't speak to me as much as just that the interaction between those, those characters. And I was like, I kind of feel a lot that same way about mm-hmm. this film. Like I, so going back, like I love that this is a story seen through the eyes of the child. Yeah. Um, that is beautiful. It's the only the, thing too that makes it not a thing we've seen a million times before. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's. I mean, it, it it's it reminds me a lot of actually uh, Labor Day because um, in that film. It is this situation where his, it, it's Labor Day is the movie that happens after this movie when somebody is living somewhere. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if that was as subtle as I meant to make it. Uh, but I, I think that, that, that there is an interesting way of seeing 
I, I, as a 35-year-old man, can watch this film and make judgments on the actions of the husband and the wife in this relationship. A child doesn't have that lifelong experience, doesn't carry in their past relationships, doesn't have an idea of the way a marriage should look, work, and, and the way two people should behave with each other. Um, so they are just learning what it means to be a man, to be a woman, to be a provider, to be a person who just holds out for another person they don't have that knowledge and those beliefs and that like worldview yet and we're watching this innocent child who's thrust into a situation where when when, when dad gets fired the boy is just like oh well he get another job right because dads go to work like he yeah. doesn't have an understanding of what it means and like when he sees his dad laying on the couch because he's tired of looking for a job that he can't get he's sort of like, oh, well, dad, why aren't you going out to get a job? And like, well, if the dad gives him an answer, he's kind of like, oh, I guess that's just the answer, right? Yeah. He has no reason or rationale for questioning it, but he sees things that you see in his eyes that those hurt him in a way or confuse him in a way or make him question the validity of a statement that's made. And his innocent view of the world is being challenged by the uh, inappropriate behaviors of both parents, right? And it's that aspect of the story is beautiful. And this sort of metaphor you can argue of this like a raging fire ready to consume everything that's just mm -hmm. slowly moving towards you and this relationship that is in a struggle yeah. that is being like all of that is It's on a collision course that you can't avoid. Yeah, yeah. Like all of that is beautiful. It's mm -hmm. just a thing that is raging towards you and will eventually get to you. There's a scene of that metaphor that I liked a lot toward the end of the movie uh, where there's a moment where uh, the lead character, he's running out of anger and frustration. He's running just to, like, clear his head, like, to figure out what to do. And then it cuts to a fire being extinguished. And then it cuts back, and he's just, like, soaking wet, and he's finally, like, stopped running. And it's yeah. just, like, the moment of, like, drowning out that fire for a little bit, right? Like, something has finally put something to a close. Yeah. And all of that is beautiful, and I love that part of this this film. In classic me fashion, I cannot separate that from the actions that characters take. And unfortunately, and I know full well that I'm going to get shit for this, but because it's the viewpoint of the child who remains with the mother and the father leaves, we don't experience any of the father's experience. So I can't comment on his experience other than what we see of him before he leaves. But what I do see is the actions of the mother. I, what I do see is a filmmaker who doesn't show the passage of time in a way the, to communicate the validity of the rationale be between, between the distance of time and the actions of the mom. And it's one of those things where Carrie Mulligan's character frustrates me to no end. And I cannot stand by the action she takes when she like it's one thing to fall into something it's another thing to go out looking for something in a way that i believe is unjustified and it's this is the way the film presents the information to me i don't have any way other than to read it this way is that she makes statements about what the father is doing while he's out fighting these fires that is founded in nothing other than her attempts to justify it to the child in a way that is very like aggressive towards the father who clearly fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> right. But this is a film about a guy who is 
distraught and has lost all sense of who he is. And the only thing he can do is go off and fight this fire the way he might resort to drinking too much or Mm -hmm. doing drugs. Like he is clearly wrong also, but she is wrong in a way that is way more present and in front of us all the time. It's way more present, way more in front of us, way more unjustified from the standpoint of what she's getting out of it. She is not getting the thing that would justify her needing to support herself. She is just being self-destructive. And though we do have, though, though we do have breadcrumbs of her feeling unhappy before he goes off to fight the fire, the happiness she is supposedly getting from the things she chose chooses to do do not bear out in any sense of the means, don't appear to have a trajectory. And later on, we learn the futility of those desires. And it's, there is something incredibly frustrating about the way she does these things. And instead of just owning up to them, tries to justify them to the child who she makes presents for these things. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason yeah, to no, include she definitely the does. child She steers in it. into it. And it's, 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 it's really frustrating in a way that like, I don't understand why that wasn't more evenly handed um, or handled. Maybe in the book we see the presence of both people more because it's chapter by chapter bouncing. I have no idea, but it just felt like a very strange way to depict this story in a way that like I would have to make huge stretches to justify actions that she takes. And because there isn't a – it'd be one thing if he was off, quote, fighting a fire for years. Like he just walked away one day and never came home. Right. And she's been lying to the child and saying, oh, your dad's off fighting fires. But there's literally a love interest for the boy at school whose father is off volunteering fighting fires. He never once says – while the mother is saying your father's irresponsible for – she never once says like, let me bring over my friend at school whose dad does this every day. She can tell you, like, there, there's, it. once again, characters not saying things that would be vital to helping people get the situation better. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just frustrated me so much watching this film and really kind of just made me sick. Like, mm. w- seeing her in these moments, like, I don't understand how any person in this room right now is happy in this moment. They technically can get something out of the end of this night, but none of these people are happy. Right. But they're all in it for the script. And I don't know, like, I would not, if I was any person in that room, I would want to not be in that room because there's nothing gratifying about being there. Right. And there's nothing that shows that they cannot do anything, but there's nothing showing me the being sucked into a situation. It's just people putting themselves in situations that are not gratifying and not helping themselves and they don't feel like victims to me they feel like people doing shitty things because reasons and i I, that frustrated me a lot yeah i think i don't disagree with your take of it i also don't think the movie disagrees i don't think the movie is intending to show both sides even-handed or to say that enough time has passed that her actions I think we can. I think it's in the trailer. Even it's definitely like in the premise of the movie that like she is like not faithful. I, th- I think we can say that. It's just going to be way easier to talk about. Yeah. Um, Carrie Mulligan uh, cheats on Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie, and uh, the the kid uh, Ed Oxenbold is able to 
witness this. Like, she doesn't try to hide it at all. And I don't think anything in the movie is saying enough time has passed where this is now reasonable. It seems like she has turned on his dad from the moment that he left. She has just soured on him. It broke something in her view of him. And now she is on a course to self-destruct. She's there to sabotage the marriage, you know. It's this impending thing that isn't going to be solved. The best I can say is it's about, like, repression, I think. Like, I think we are meant to believe that things have not been good for a long time. And she's living in an age where you have to pretend things are good. And you have to be infinitely supportive. And she's watched Jake Gyllenhaal apparently do this many times before. Like, we don't really get to know the full story there, but there have been many moves, there have been many new jobs. The way this one ends and then the way he kind of refuses things that could have simplified it a lot, hint that like this has been repeatedly happening. And I think what we're watching is, it's sort of like uh, American Beauty, but without us getting all the context, where it's like a person breaking, right? A person just being like, my view of you is gone, and this is the last straw, and now I feel a freedom to self-destruct this, right? And I know it's wrong. Like, I don't think there's any justification in this movie where anyone could be like, she made the right call. I think like, she knows it's wrong. She's letting her son witness what is happening because she's open or maybe she thinks she is like, quote, teaching him what not to be or like telling him the flaws about his dad by like letting him see what it has driven her to. I don't really know her inner workings, right? She's wildlife. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> we're, we're witnessing them like a nature documentary of like how do adults behave from the eyes yeah. of someone who doesn't understand. But, and like we don't get that inner life. Like we don't see – We don't see the thing that really caused her to snap in that moment and decide, like, I have to break out of this life. I have to blow it up, right? I I just have to be someone different. I I think she wants to live in a fantasy of a world where there is a strong provider, right? That might be part of it. Or maybe it's, like, she wants to be young again. She remembers pursuing work and, like... But she picks a guy who's older and... No, I know, I know. It'd be one thing if I saw that she thought she could be happy with this person, Mm -hmm. but she's fucking using him and he knows he's being used. He doesn't care. And he's using her. Yeah. They're both using each other. Nobody gives a shit about anybody. And I don't see how it solves her problems because he doesn't, besides taking her out to, or taking her to dinner at his house, he never shows that he will or intends to provide for her. Right. I, I think it's just a, she's living in a temporary fantasy of wealth and security, right? And she knows that's not her intent, is to stay there. Neither of them care about each other. Uh, there's a moment in this film where if it wasn't already abundantly clear, he has done this before, right? Right. Like, yeah. neither of them care in that moment. And, like, the best thing I can say is, like, as a person who golf clap for me has never cheated, um, <laughs> I've I, I've definitely like read. Th- there have been like books about this by people who are like habitual cheaters or people who have done it before. Where so often it isn't this like grandly romantic. I thought I found a savior and I just fell in love and I had to do it. It becomes this like I'm gonna blow this up because. I don't know. I feel restless. I feel trapped. I just have to blow it up. And this is my, this is my action that will guarantee the end of the relationship. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's, and, if she really believes he's not coming back or he's going to die I don't think fighting she really he, believes fires. that. I think she's trying to convince herself of that because for, she's trying to justify the sabotage that she's going to do. Yeah. And there's a, like, there's a desperation to the way that she talks to her son when she's like, 
driving him up to the forest fires and talking about his father and it just like kind of soured immediately where she she's very much being like i'm gonna talk myself into this i'm gonna talk you into this too but so like even in that scene she's driving up there with the hopes to catch him like just off gallivanting and doing whatever right and when she gets there it's fucking devastation Mm -hmm. everywhere people are coughing people are on stretchers like the firemen are just like rags of water wiping off their face like just trying to survive and she's like i mean he's probably got a girl up here see i I don't think so i don't think she drove up there honestly because she wanted to catch him cheating i think she wanted the kid to see like look at how fragile your dad is that this is what he thinks he has to do to be a man again like do you want to be here does this seem meaningful to you? Does this seem profound, right? Like having a fire and just deciding you're going you're gonna to be the one to show up there. Like she resents that, I think. But she but resents even, that like rather than provide for his family, quote, rather than be there, he decided he had to like search for his own path by like going out and doing something that she views as stupid. But, but even like so in this, you, re- you referenced, you referenced uh, how – uh, awe-inspiring that shot of the burning forest yeah. is, right? She tells him to experience that. That moment justifies the dad's decision in that, like, this is a fucking powerful, raging thing, and my dad is fighting that to protect these people. Like, that could have the very adverse effect of what she mm-hmm. wants, I, right? I just don't think that's how she's thinking about it. It's not how she's thinking about it, because she's... She's I, I think she, she, yeah, I think she hates her husband already. I think she she resents him, and her bringing him here is like, I I, I think there's kind of a man thing where it's like, is this the man you want to be? Like, does this get you going? Right? Like, is this a thing? Because what I see, yeah, what, what I see is devastation and destruction, not meaning. Right? Like that's what she's saying. At least I I think that's at least her goal is yeah, like. Yeah. Which, which again, like, that's a kind of subversive thing, right? Because you want to be, like, anyone who would put themselves in harm's way, instantly a hero, no matter what, instantly whatever. And her view is not that, right? Her view is that, like, his goal was to stay and provide, and he thinks by running away he can make himself into a hero when yeah. what he really is is, like, a small man who couldn't, couldn't do the bare minimum instead. Yeah. Um, so I think there's something there where she just snaps. And the rest of this movie is just watching her snap <laughs> through the eyes of her son, not being justified, knowing she's not justified, knowing that there's, like, no good excuse for it, and her lies are, like, barely even there, right? Like, she's not trying. She's not even trying to hide anything. Even though she's, like, lying just enough to maybe feel temporarily good about it, like, she wants (laughs) to get caught. And I I don't know why. Except for she's just self-destructing the relationship. And what is interesting is just watching the kid take that in and decide how he feels about it. And I think, um... Ed Oxenbold, the lead here, is really good as, like, this kid who... He's a very Paul Dano-ish figure to me, right? I feel like Paul Dano could have played him when he was younger <laughs> as, like, a, this kind of, like... As a kid who doesn't talk sitting in a minivan. Yeah, he's, or, like, uh, not a minivan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's, like, wide-eyed and observing the world, and he's, like, a little uncomfortable with it, but he's also trying to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think, I, I think this movie does a good job of it. And that central relationship is perplexing. And I think that strangeness is like a thing that drives the movie. I don't think the movie is trying to say, look, this woman got liberated, feel good for her. I don't, I don't think that's the view of the movie at all. I hope that's not the view <laughs> of the movie. But yeah, like even like there, there's a scene where, where the boy is like, maybe I should get a job too to help out. 
And like the dad's like, he's a fucking kid. He shouldn't have to work. And the mom's like, yeah, maybe he should work. She's not celebrating his desire to be a good man and provide for the family. She's just using him as a way to insult the husband. And it's like she – it'd be one thing if she was the perfect mother to the kid and was just relationship deficient, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would be a different story. But like she's sacrificing her motherliness to this child who has done nothing wrong in a way. It's it's like we talked about in, uh, in uh, the Florida Project. The mother is not by our sense of the means a good mother, but to the child – She's perfect. She's everything she needs. She's trying to do her best and her best happens to be things that we don't approve of. Mm -hmm. But she's doing that all in attempts to provide for the kid. And in this film, when she dips into those territories of my husband has left, I need to take care of me now. She does it at the sacrifice of her son. She like there's there's a scene where he has to go buy food for himself. And it's like sad yeah yeah <laughs> it's fucking no terrible. she she abandons him definitely and then, and then, I, I do think the one scene that you're talking about where she suggests the son gets a job i do think she's rubbing it in her husband's face but i i still see that as the legacy of the little bit we know about her before this moment is that her dad is kind of like these are the roles these are what you do end of story right like the kid doesn't want to play football the dad's not going to hear it right yeah. dad doesn't care kid is interested in something else Dad doesn't care. And she is kind of more like, no, experience things. Like, do what you want to do. Don't be pigeonholed. And I think she's projecting there, right? Because she wants to experience things. Like, she wants to work. She had been a substitute teacher, and her husband is insulted that she wants to work. And finally, she has, like, an excuse to get a job, and she feels fulfilled. And that fulfillment leads to a midlife crisis, right? Of, like, I don't want to be in this version of my life anymore, I want to be this other version of me. I want to be the person who has a job. I want to go back to teaching. I want to, like, have a life again. And I'm not going to have it with this sad man. (laughs) And I I think that's kind of the arc that she traces. And I agree the moment after that, when he leaves for the fire, she snaps into self-destruction mode. And that's why, you know, when characters do talk to the kid, they are not saying, this is my justification, love me, right? They're saying, like, I fucked up. And, like, I have nothing else to say for myself, you know? And that's kind of how they feel about themselves, I think, is, like, they are just self-destructing this family and this relationship, and you're going to have to pick up the pieces, kid, because, like, we're not going to pick it up for you. Yeah, they're not. Mm -hmm. I think there's a great closing shot of this movie, though. It's, like, a great little summary of the odd family dynamic that they have and the kid's desire to keep it all together. I I, I like it. The kid just drops the most devastating line too yeah it was pretty good yeah also i i loved carrie mulligan in this movie jake gyllenhaal is always good i just don't feel like he didn't get enough to do in this movie to be beyond the normal gyllenhaal performance i'd say the title yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like she got a lot to chew on and i enjoyed watching her kind of self-destruct and, and as much as i really hate her character in this film she's fantastic mm-hmm. um the, I mean, there's the, the there's a there's a dinner scene in the beginning of the film where she's sort of putting on display how off the deep end she is, and it requires a lot of bouncing between emotions, um, between being rude and trying to be sexy, and like it it she definitely does a wide range of acting in this one scene, and that scene is just 
uncomfortable as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I also feel like I might be speaking out of my ass here, but like I think this was a time before like depression was a well-known concept. And I think maybe by today someone would say, oh, she is depressed, right? Let's <laughs> let's treat this. And instead there is no treatment. And so she's just like self-medicating with whatever shit she has in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, should we get to reviews? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, record with the caveat, wage for rental, pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I mean, this kind of movie is my bread and butter. I'm giving it a must-see. I think especially for a first-time director, I think this was very confidently made. I think it looks really good. I think it tells the story it wants to tell. It's definitely more, quote, artsy. It's definitely like... It's Paul Dano. Like, he's been in artsy shit before. Like, he has, he has seen it, and he decided he wanted to make his version of one of those. I think it pulls it off well, and the family dynamic is interesting, and the performances are great across the board. I would do an interesting comparison to Revolutionary Road, but Chris hasn't seen it, and I barely remember it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that here. But I I like this movie for the slow, brooding, artsy version of, of that story. Um, as Stephen said, this is his bread and butter for me, it's sort of like the catering we had today at the office. Uh, if I look at everyone can get that reference. <laughs> if I look at all the pieces, I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I like all of these things. And then for some reason, when it's there in the bowl and I'm trying to eat it, I just I'm not feeling it. When the corned beef is sitting with the lukewarm broth and the rice noodles. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, though, I, I. I, I really didn't know what to expect walking into this film. I had no idea what it was even about um, outside of reading that it had to do with a golf pro losing his job. Yeah. <laughs> um, the movie's really all a metaphor for golf, if you think about yeah, it. I mean, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I like some aspects of this film, um, but I was so distracted by disapproval, I guess, of Gary Mulligan's character um, and I, I just found the experiences within the film to be upsetting in a way that made me just not enjoy the film on a level that I could have in other situations. Um, and it kind of, it, it just, it, I was a little upset by the film. Um, and it, it, like when I am in, in a film like that, if it ends with some profound statement, I can overcome that because I feel like, oh, you put me through all of this so you could say this. Like, relationships are worth all of this because mm-hmm. they mean something more than these moments, which is not the message of this yeah, film. This is a movie that ends with a shrug emoji and a shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, like, it, just, it, it just didn't do what would have fulfilled me by the end of it, by the end of it. <laughs> So the squid and the whale, that's the comp I want to make. That's another one of those movies where it's about the dissolution of a family and nobody is really likable in it, but there's just something about the kids' eyes getting to witness it that are interesting. <laughs> and that was the film that you suggested I watch that, that I you did, did not, not like, like at all. <laughs> um, I'm back forever. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I will leave this at... You can be harsh. Be be yourself, Chris. Carson didn't like it. I I'll I'll leave it as a I, I'll put it as a pass with a caveat. Um, I 
appreciate aspects of this film, um, but found it largely unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. And with that, that'll bring us to the end of this review of, I almost called it Wildfire, um, but Wildlife is the name of the film. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can you do that? Uh, you can find me at the neighborhood car dealership where I just got a job. So if I don't show up next week to the podcast recording, don't worry. I'm just working a little overtime. I'm not on another podcast on the side. Um, you can also find me on twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. I went to the car dealership. Stephen was not there. <laughs> um, but people can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash warning or like us at Facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilthewarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for the episode will come from the soundtrack to Wildlife. wildlife. <laughs> it's if, a wildlife. If not, it's going to be wild thing. <laughs> uh, so there you have it. That's a review. We have one more, one last review to, to uh, record for you. We're probably not hitting our target mark of being done before midnight no but it'll Uh, be before 12 30 chris yeah but we do it for you guys we won't have been recording more than four and a half hours (laughs) so yeah we're gonna go off and record the last review and we will talk to you then thank god we don't have jobs